Ah, uh, that's good. Ah, I'm awake. I don't need caffeine. We're good to go. Hey, let me just invite the Lord to uh, be in our midst and uh, just uh, have a time of the Word. Father, uh, the Creator of all creation, You, O oh Lord, uh, You came and You dwell within us. And that blows our minds, Father, that You love us that much and that You have that relationship with us. And may Your joy uh, just be abundant in us, Father, even in the midst of uh, just trying circumstance, even in the midst of uh, trouble, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And may we live that today, Father. We thank you that you have our lives. We thank you that, that you dwell within us, you and us, us and you. In your precious name, amen. These are good gloves. They're not just any glove. They're not pink gloves just to look pretty. They're work gloves. Leather on the outside, on the inside, a nice insulation so you can work in any conditions. These gloves have purpose and these gloves have value. They're intended to to go out and to help and to build. Gloves, be free, go and do your work. What's wrong, oh gloves? <laughs> and God says that I have come, and the Lord says that I have given you my son, and the son says that I will leave for you another, the Holy Spirit, who will come and who will dwell in you, and he will live in you, And he has purpose for you, and he has value for you, and he wants you to remain in him and to let him come into your life and every finger and have life in him. We're not meant to be just gloves, void of the Holy Spirit. And this morning we're going to look at John chapter 15, a great passage about Christ in us and us in Christ and remaining in Him because He truly is the only source of life. He truly is the only way we can have abundance and joy and peace. He is our everything. I hope that's true for you and I. I am the true vine and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers, and such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. 
This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and I remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete. At the end of John chapter 14, Jesus has been teaching his disciples about what it looks like to follow him. They are the ones who are to be going from this place and living out the life of Christ. As Christ has said, I will be going to the Father. I will not leave you as orphans. I send the Holy Spirit who will come to you, and he will be your comforter, your strengthener, the one who will come by your side. And as he wraps up teaching them about the Holy Spirit, he says at the end of John chapter 14, come, let us go. Jesus is walking towards the Garden of Gethsemane, closer and closer to the cross. And so the words of Christ to his disciples are very poignant. Last words, so to speak, of Christ as he spends time with his disciples before he pays the ultimate price for our sin on the cross. And as he goes out of the, out of the upper room and, and through the, the Valley of Kidron and, and <clears throat> up into the Mount of Olives, you can picture our Lord who always uses practical and present example coming into a vineyard and going, I want you to show you what life in me really looks like. I want you to show you what it's all about. And so he takes the vine and he takes the branches and teaches them a lesson about life in him. As they're troubled, as they're wondering how do we live this life out, as they want to live for Christ but they don't know how to do it, as they're the ones who are going to be bringing us the truth that we have today, the life of Christ, the good news of salvation, the good news of forgiveness. This is the final I am statement. I am. As Moses goes, who are you? He says, I am. The connection of Jesus to the Father. I am. I created everything. I am from the beginning. I am the end. I am the one who is life. I am the true vine. I am the Son of Man, he told us. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and I am the life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And as he's in the vineyard, I am the true vine. True vine in comparison to what? What was the vine that was original? What's he comparing himself to? All throughout the Old Testament, we have the image of the vine, and Israel is always pictured as the vine or the vineyard of God. Israel in Hosea says that Israel is a luxurious vine. It had become the symbol to the nation of Israel. The Maccabeans on their coins had the symbol of the vine. As you came up into the temple at the entrance gates, 
were vines covering the entrance and gold. Oh, glorious vine Israel was supposed to be. And yet Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. Israel is not the vine that brings life. Isaiah chapter 5, a poem about the vine of Israel. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside, and he dug it up and he cleared it of stones. He planted it with the choicest of vines. He built a watchtower on it. He looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad. And he goes on to say, What more could have I done for my vineyard? This is the Lord speaking of Israel. What more could have I done that I've already done for it when I looked for good grapes? Why did it yield only bad? The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. Oh, that's what he longed for, for Israel. And yet I looked for justice and I saw bloodshed. I looked for righteousness, but all I heard was cries of distress. Israel, God's chosen people, they were the ones to bring forth the character of God, the loving character of God into a world that was living in idolatry, that was living in death. They were the ones to bring forth truth and justice, and all there was was dead vines and grapes that were sour, and there was no good fruit The covenant that God said, I am your God and you are my people. And they said, we want nothing to do with you. And so the vine became destructive. And it was degenerating. Wasting away, no good fruit. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. I'm the real deal, he's saying. I'm the genuine article. I am the one who brings forth the character of God, the Father, so that you might know fully the loving nature of our Heavenly Father. That you might know that He wants you to turn from sin and have life in me, His Son. That I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that nobody comes to the Father except through me. I am the real vine. Israel was supposed to be it. But the nation was degenerating. It was a withered vine. The fact that they were Jews. They were sons of Abraham. Of course they had salvation. That was their connection for life and salvation. But the fact that you are a Jew will not save you. The fact that you and I come to church every Sunday, will not save you. The fact that we are in fellowship and in Bible study groups, the fact that your parents are great saints and have left a great heritage, the fact that you're a deacon or a leader in this community or in this church will not save you. The only thing that saves us is our intimate Loving, living 
relationship with Jesus Christ where we've said, oh Lord, come into my life. I receive you. Be Lord of my life. I want to have life in you. No external qualifications. doesn't matter your connection to Israel. They are a vine that has withered away. We are transformed. We are renewed. We become a new creation through our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And Jesus is in the business of saying, I want you to have that life. And I want to point you where it is, and it's me. That I am the true vine. What's the key to quality fruit production? That we have the right vine. That we're tapped into the right vine. That which actually does bring us life. That which actually leads us to life. This whole chapter is about the business of quality fruit production. It's about life in Christ. And he says over and over again, I want you to bear fruit. And one of the things that I don't want you to miss, because again, this chapter is a difficult one. There are some verses in here that throw you for a loop a little bit. Verses 2 and verses 6, they have uh, these ideas of cutting off. And so some people wrestle with, is this loss of salvation? What is the Lord teaching us here? You know, one of the things about being a good Bible student, which I know many of you want to do and I continually want to do, is you go, we take verses and we throw them out there, but you can't just take a verse at face value. You have to always go context, right? What's it surrounded by? What's the big picture? What's the Lord really trying to teach his disciples in these 11 verses as he's in the vine, as he's going to the cross? And I would suggest this, that the big picture, that the theme of these 11 verses and what Jesus has been trying to teach us about remaining in him. The big picture is abide in Jesus so that you may bear abundant fruit. That's his desire for us. Abide in Jesus so that you may bear abundant fruit. And so as we take this big picture and go to verse 2, I hope it will help. And again, it's a, it's a hard verse, okay? But I think it's worth wrestling through. And here's one of the things I need to remind you of. You and I have the same Holy Spirit, don't we? We do. And he says, I'm the Spirit of truth. I will teach you all things. And so even as I desire to exposit this as best as God has given me before you, let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart what is truth about this chapter. Let him speak to you about some of these verses that are a little tricky. But I'm here to say, I don't think the passage has anything to do with loss of salvation. It has to do about abundant life in Christ. And so watch this as we think of that big picture. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Again, if you've ever been around a vineyard, you know there's a continual process of pruning. Always pruning so that there's more life in the fruit. You never grow fruit, good fruit, if you don't prune. Everybody knows that. And so he's in the business of pruning so that there is good fruit. So what's he cutting off? Let me suggest two things. First one, on the plant, on the vine, as the branches start to grow, 
there's what, call, what are called sucker shoots. You ever have those on any of your other plants? And right where the branch that bears fruit would grow would pop out this sucker shoot, and it would grow quickly. And it would grow 25, 30 feet, and it would go all and in throughout the branches. It would go along the ground, and it zapped all of the juice that was meant for the branch that bore fruit. All that the sucker shoot would grow is a leaf at the end of its branch. It was not meant to bear fruit. It did not bear fruit, and so it killed the life of the branch that was to bring forth this good, beautiful fruit. Well, what are the disciples thinking at this time? All the energy focused on our identity with Israel. Yet Israel has proven to be just a leaf, a withering branch. All this energy focused on who will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. I want to be there. I want to sit next to Jesus. These sucker shoots that are pulling out all of the life from you that God intended for you and I. What are some of those for us? Spiritual pride. God wants us to be humble and love others, and yet we do our devotions in the morning, we read our Bible, and, and we think we got it all together. And so when others make a mistake, we are quick to point it out. And thank God we have it all together. Sucking the life out of us. We're holding on to that. We're not bringing forth life. You know, again, one of the biggest things I think is an unforgiving spirit. Every day that just zaps us of the truth, of just the joy of Christ. We don't forgive each other. And it's killing us. And we're being destroyed by this branch that is just weaving it out. There's no sunlight coming in. And we live in death, a withered spirit. Is it our busyness? Is it our worry? You know, one of the acceptable sins in the Christian community. Let's worry together. And the Lord is saying, wait a second. Don't you trust me for this situation? All of your thoughts and your whole production is going towards worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. And you're not putting that in my lap and saying, Lord, I trust you with my life. Give me the peace that you promised me. Not as the world gives, but you give, right in the middle of the trouble. What is zapping our lives? What is God cutting back in us? Sucker shoots that are killing us. That could be one of the things that he's saying to the disciples. Here's the other thing. In the midst of the big picture, which is what? Fruit producing. I want you to have life in me. I will. He cuts off every branch. He cuts off. That word is a powerful word in the Greek. And so I need to take you to the Greek because the, our scriptures really don't do a good job of this, unfortunately. And the word is iro. And the word means to lift up, to bear up, to take the burden upon, to carry. It always has this idea of carrying that which has been raised to take upon oneself. You know, Jesus, when he was in the desert and the devil is tempting him, and the devil says, Jesus, throw yourself off the cliff. 
Because you can, the scriptures say you can command the angels and they will come and eye row you. They will lift you up. As the disciples go to gather the 12, uh, all the baskets that were put out with the 5,000, it says they went out and they eye rowed all the leftovers, all the fish, and all that remained. Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are heavy burdened. Take, I row my yoke upon you. And he says later on, my yoke is light. Take this upon. You can't miss the word. You can't miss the context. I love you and disciples, I'm teaching you what it means to have life in me as you remain in me. That I want your grapes to grow. That I want you to have this life. And he says, every branch that is in me, I cut off. Loss of salvation? I struggle with that. Fruit producers? I think absolutely. I want you, and I will come, and I will lift you up. And many of the, the branches that were low, they would get dust on them, and then if it rained, they would become mud, and then they would get heavy, and they would get into the mud, and then they would never bear fruit. And so if you've ever been to a vineyard, you will see that all of these branches that are low are lifted up. They're actually, and sometimes it would be so much so heavy because of the juice running into the branch that they would almost start to, to separate out because it's just so heavy and, and, and it, it would tear a little bit. And so what the, the vine dresser would do is come and he lifts it up, grafts it back in where the area broke, ties it into the vine so that it might have life not leaving it in the mud. I am the true vine. I am all of sustenance. Every branch in me that I absolutely love, by the way, I lift up. I lift up so that you might have life, which I long for you. You have purpose and value, and I know you want to live for me, and I come by your side. I leave you my Holy Spirit, who is your comforter, your strengthener. I'm the one who comes by your side and strengthens you. You can't be these gloves just going out. You need me to live life through you, all for the glory of God and his abundance. He wants fruit production from us. Well, what is it? What's the fruit? What are we called to do? What is God asking of us? What kind of fruit should we look like, so to speak? Is it that we're supposed to be leading all kinds of people to Jesus Christ? As we go from here today, you better go to downtown Boise, and you better share the gospel, and thousands better be coming to Christ today, or you're not bearing fruit. That's a good thing. I hope we're sharing the love of Jesus with others. But I don't think that's what he's calling us to. I want you to remain in me. I want you to have life in me. Verse 8 says, It is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The scriptures teach us, they shall know you are my disciples by what? Our love for one another. The fruit is love. What is love? 
every wedding you go to. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. All this life of Christ flowing through us, the love of Christ, like Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit pouring out through us. It is the character of God. As we remain in the vine, His character and His life comes into us, and there is this inward, inward fruit that is taking place. But it's not meant to stay there, is it? All of the fruit of the Spirit, all of what is love in Corinthians 13 is meant in the context of relationship, is it not? Who am I going to be kind to? Just myself? No. You can pamper yourself a little, but that's not what it's meant for. I'm going to be kind to my brother and sister. It is in relationship, and it is to come in, and then it is to flow out of you, loving others, a beautiful grape bursting with the sweetness of Jesus Christ to our community and to the world who needs to know how much Jesus Christ loves them. That's the type of fruit we're supposed to be bearing, the character of Jesus Christ, maturing like him, looking like him. And here's what's interesting as we go on. He cuts off, lifts up every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes. You're like, well, heck, (laughs) I can't seem to get out of this deal. (laughs) You know what? Many of you desire like I do. I want to live for Christ. I'm hoping that I'm obedient to him. I know I'm a wretched sinner, and I know I fall short. But truly, ultimately, my desire is I want to live in righteousness. I want to please the Father. I really pray for that all the time. And so he says of us whom he loves... And those of you who are bearing righteousness and bearing the character of me, those of you who are actually living for me and and remaining in the vine, guess what? You get pruned also. It's a continual process until the day that Christ comes back and we live in perfection in his kingdom. The word prunes, kathairo, has another beautiful meaning, which seems to fit the picture of the loving gardener, the Father. It means to cleanse. I cleanse you. I'm washing off all that dirt that is on you. I want you to be clean, and I want you to have life in me. I want you to be even more fruitful and have more of the character of me and enjoy more of me in you. But it's always this pruning process. You know, one of the things for me uh, over the years, and still, you know, God's still working on me, and I think it's a good work. But here's, here's where my flesh really struggles. I get, I get angry. I get angry when things don't work out the way I think they should. And so when that happens, then I feel like I need to blame others. It's, it's their fault that this isn't working out. Why is this happening? I get defensive. I get downright kind of mean. You know, my friends who, who know me well, we, we would, uh, I've done a lot of travels with them and stuff, and 
And like, I don't know about you, but when I get really hungry, I get really angry. I get mean. I get very grumpy and grumpy to the point of real bad anger. And so the joke kind of is, hey, feed Richie quick, you know. (laughs) And that's funny for a little while. But then you go, boy, I'm just allowing this anger to keep playing out. And and to be honest, I'm not really even asking the Lord to do much with it. And he's saying, Rod, I want you to bear fruit of me, the character of me. When you are angry, when you are demanding spirit, all you do is you break relationship. You show nothing of the character of me in, in gentleness and in patience and actually trusting God that he knows your crummy situation. You know what I mean? The reason we get angry is we're like, it feels like God doesn't even know. Like, God, I've got a flat tire here. What's the deal? You know, it's dark and, and rainy. And I get angry. Why aren't you here, you know, fixing this? And we want that. What's it like for you? That's just one area. I have plenty. Only a little time left. But here's what the Lord says of you and me. He says, you're already clean. You're already clean. Again, that same word. Different form, but same root word. You're already clean. You have the life of Christ. Dear disciples, I'm sure they're remembering back to the upper room as as Peter's going, wash all of me, Jesus. And Jesus says, a person who has a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean, and you are clean. Though not every one of you, and he was speaking of Judas, You are clean by my word. You are clean by my spirit, bringing forth truth that speaks to your heart. And I hope it does, you guys, as you read truth and as you listen to the spirit. He's going, hey, there's some areas I need to prune. Not because I'm against you, but because I want you to bear more grapes. I want you to have more abundant life. I want you, again, to experience more of me. And so that your life is full of my life and you're pouring out into this world who needs life. It's a continual pruning, sanctification, this ongoing journey with Jesus Christ and the Father as they work on us. And so we say, I want to. I don't want to just stay angry. I hope you don't say that. Well, I'm just going to be that way. Sometimes you mope in that, you know, the heck with everybody else, I'm just going to do this. Being angry today but really on a daily life with journey with Christ, going, I want to be Christ-like. I want to have the character of God. And so what must we do? The branch has to be tied in to the vine. This is the choice that we make. This is where it comes down to. You can choose to remain in the vine, which is that you stay close to Jesus, that you go to his word, that you listen to his spirit, that you want to be obedient because it is loving and he is loved by our obedience to his ways because, again, his ways are life. The other choice is we can say, I don't want to be in the vine and I just want to do whatever the heck I want to do. He's saying remain in the vine and what's the promise? You will bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. That is what happens See, the goal, you guys, the goal for you and me, and hear this very clearly, our goal is not to produce fruit. Do you hear it? Our goal is not to produce fruit. 
Our goal, our desire should be to remain in the vine. That should be our desire and the goal of our lives. I stay close to Jesus. And the promise is, when you stay close to me, the natural spiritual outcome of that is that you burst forth with abundant life and grapes. Your life has changed. You are renewed. We can't just sit here and go, ah, make me patient. Come on, grape. We've got to let the gloves be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to let the Lord work in us. We've got to let the Lord do his work to mature us and to make him look like himself. It's not just ritual, praying and, and the Bible. Sometimes it becomes just this task that we're supposed to do. That's knowing our Lord. That's knowing the creator of the universe. That is remaining in him and giving us abundant life that we might rejoice. Godly character. Apart from him, you can do nothing. There is nothing of spiritual quality. There is nothing that pleases the Father. If you are doing all this church work, all this service work, all of these things in your own strength, you can do nothing that impacts the world for the kingdom of God if you are apart from him. And oh, trust me, we try. We have so many darn talents, it's almost, you know, it's, it kills us sometimes, our talents. Because we bank on those instead of God working through us. And saying, Lord, I show up today, I have no idea how this is going to work out. But I want you to fill me so that I'm used. I want you to fill me so that I have life in you. I want to have your character. Nothing is done. That's the new covenant, isn't it? The new covenant is that all of this life brings glory to God, the Father. All of this life has nothing to do with how well I speak or what my suit looks like and I, you know, I present it this way and it's all funny and good. You know, there's a lot of good communicators in this world. But if they're not remaining in the vine, speaking forth the truth of God, it's all for naught. Nothing, nothing, zero, that's what it means. Zip, nada, without Christ flowing through you. And again, we want to have Christ. We want to grow more. Our self-effort leaves us empty and a withering vine. And then he goes on in verse 6, and again, this is one of those other challenging verses. He says again, let me read it. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in him, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up, they are thrown into the fire, and they are burned. I don't want you to miss this, this pattern. Again, it's a difficult one. The whole big picture again, don't miss it. Remaining in the vine so that you might have abundant life. If you don't, it's a branch that withers. It's a branch that has no spiritual life. It is of no value. And literally, literally, everybody knows this who knows about, about branches of the vine. They are good for nothing. The withered ones, you can't build with them. You can't make anything out of them. All they're good for, and this is what would happen, 
is they'd gather them up and they would throw them in the fire. They have no value. Do we know, the Lord says, the ultimate outcome of us choosing not to remain in the vine, of actually holding on to the vine of Christ? The ultimate outcome is he lets us have our choice. And there is separation from vine, the love of Jesus, forever. But I think he's saying this. You are like, you are like this. And don't miss that word, it's important. You're not this, you're not going to hell, is not what he's saying. But you're like one who is withered and is useless. You can have abundant life, or you can have full life with me. What are the disciples thinking? Israel. My connection to Israel, which I thought was my way, that's a withered vine. They were just with Judas, weren't they? Wasn't Judas hanging out with Jesus all that time? Wasn't he doing good things with Jesus? Wasn't he taking care of people with Jesus' ministry? Wasn't he in charge of the finance? Didn't he have responsibility? Didn't he look like the guy, the good Christian guy? You're like Judas. A life that gives lip service to God and plays Christian. And yet all of your resources from yourself, you're not tapped into the vine. And it's thrown away. And we know the outcome of Judas. Took his life. No relationship with Christ, really. No joy, no peace, no life. And so they're thrown out. I want you to have glorious life in me. I want you to have abundant fruit as you remain in me. And that's the choice we have to make. Will we remain in him? As we do, you know what he says? As you produce fruit, as life comes through you and fruit is produced, it brings glory to the Father. God is glorified through our lives. That we allow him to work in us and through us and all to him, which is our salvation, the true vine. And then he finishes off, verse 11. He says this, I have told you, disciples of Cole Community Church, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I have told you this so that you will allow yourself to be filled with all the abundance of me. I want you to have joy in this world that is purely chaotic and confusing. I want you to experience me, and I want you to be used of me in relationship. I want you to be ambassadors for Christ. I want you to be ministers of reconciliation. I want you to bring forth the truth of the love of Jesus Christ. And I want you to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit as you remain in the vine, our one goal. And let God produce that fruit in you. It will happen. Truly may we live in that. This loving Father who lifts us up, who cleanses us, who longs for us to stay in the vine. May we long for that. We say, Holy Spirit, I want more. 
I want more of your life. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, uh, do your work in us, I pray. Continue your pruning process. May we receive it. May you look at any way in us that goes against you, Father, and prune away so that we might have the abundance of you. I ask you to, to just continue to teach us your truth. May we know your life. May we experience your abundance. And we thank you for the gift of joy. We thank you for the fruit that you're doing in us and and working through us. Fill our gloves, Lord Jesus, so we might go out and love the world, love each other, and just know of your love in us. May we glorify you, Father, today with our lives. Amen.